0: Hey guys, what is up? Welcome back to Passionate Curiosity Podcast. It has been a minute. I'm so excited to get this started back up again. And I decided to actually jump back on it because I said, why not create this content? I think podcasting is a great space to go ahead and share stories. And yeah, I think I have so many great ideas to share with you through Passionate Curiosity Podcast. Super excited. Go ahead and follow me on instagram i have a new profile it is called bloom frequency media bloom frequency media the account on instagram is just bloom frequency at bloom frequency and i have a lot of exciting projects that i am working on and a lot of updates for this podcast are going to be on there as well as the account for the podcast itself which is at passionate curiosity podcast So excited to connect with you there. I decided to jump back on because I was way too judgmental on myself when I was recording these episodes um, when I first started Passionate Curiosity Podcast, but I decided whether I have background noise, whether I'm saying um too much, whether I stutter, it doesn't matter. We are becoming way more forgiving on the internet these days. People are posting anything and everything. It's becoming more of just a means of communication. So I wanna jump on that train while it's still moving. So go ahead and stay tuned. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. I have Arisa Kasumi with me, and we will go ahead and talk about classical music and the modern classical music experience at concerts and uh, events and stuff. So super excited. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Very excited to be sharing the stories of a lot of different people. And so I'll have Arisa Kasumi go ahead and introduce herself.
1: And yeah, so hi, welcome. Hey, thank you. you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited that you're starting your podcast back up. So I'm Arisa Kasumi Sullivan or some people know me Arisa Kasumi. I tend to use Kasumi as my singing name and then, you know, professionally um, you'll hear Arisa Kasumi a lot. But otherwise I'm Arisa Kasumi Sullivan. Um, And so I guess I can say I'm a classical singer. Um, I've performed throughout the world. This is my 23rd year of my career. And um, I'm also um, a teacher. I teach voice out of my home now. I used to teach um, at the university level and then um, I do adjudicating. I'm the Central Florida Nats chapter president right now. And I kind of dabble in a lot of things like I've done some opera directing and um, now I am the executive and artistic producer of the uh, Howie Mansion Music Series. Awesome. So one of the main reasons why I have
0: you on here, Arisa, is because I think that your journey has always been, uh, you taught at Rollins when I was going there as a student, and I thought that your journey was just so unique. Um, what was your background? What what kind of school did you go to? What was like the education route that, what was the traditional route that you went through that kind of broke into the industry of music?
1: Okay, Um, well, I'll just give you a little bit of background. Um, So I did not come from a musical family. My family is very science-oriented. I even went to a a North Carolina school of science and math, which I'm very proud of. Wow, that's awesome. (laughs) It was a wonderful school. See, I
0: didn't even know that about you, so you have (laughs) all of these cool tricks under your hat. That's really cool. Yeah,
1: and, you know, I think it was a real calling that um, came out of nowhere, Um, My middle school was um, doing West Side Story and I had never done anything musical before and for some reason I decided to audition for that. And as a result, I met an amazing teacher and he helped direct me towards my career, found me a voice teacher, took voice in high school, and then it just became more and more of a passion. Um, My parents initially were against it but eventually they agreed to help support me in my education so i went to the eastman school of music in rochester new york and got my bachelor of music there and then um i went on to figure out what was i going to do after undergrad so i looked at different graduate schools and i just didn't really feel like i found a fit that i was looking for Mm -hmm. so um i went and decided to um, go and learn German in Germany. Mm-hmm. I was really interested in mastering that language because I had suddenly become very interested in German leader And that's all about the poetry. And so I was like, well, if I don't really understand the German language How can I sing German leader? Really right. Well? Mm-hmm. So I went over and studied in Berlin, and um, I met a w- woman named Riri Grist who is a famous opera singer there and, and I studied voice with her studied German at the Goethe Institute, and then she helped me to launch my career over there. Wow, that's amazing. I've been super passionate about...
0: Actually, when I was in Rollins, when I was in undergrad, I was very passionate. I felt like everyone wanted me to go the opera route, but I was so interested in art song, leader, and and then when I went to Germany, I kind of had the same experience as you, where I just fell in love with the language, and kind of every misconception that you're taught here in America mm-hmm. about Germany and their culture, it was right. just completely wiped away when I was there and yeah. I fell in love with everything. Like I the know. nature
1: there and I don't think people realize how it. gorgeous the language is it when really you really express with it in Libya. Lieder- yeah, yeah. And
0: and when you hear it in its actual context in the country, it's yes. like it's the way that they speak it, it's just as passionate as like Italian and all the other Romantic languages. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really nice and mm-hmm. I, ever since I went to Germany I've kind of been obsessed with German culture as well mm-hmm. so we have that in common mm-hmm. um, so you were just featured in a magazine and so go ahead and talk about that you were cooking recipes <laughs> so that's another thing that that you have under your belt and so you you were you born in Japan or no no
1: my parents were born in Japan your parents were okay i was the first Kasumi to be born in America, okay. and actually my name means born in America. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so Arisa, yeah, it means born on American sands. <laughs> That's beautiful. I didn't know that. Yeah, and that. Um, so can you tell me the question again? I completely yeah. Forgot it's you. A, so, so um, basically,
0: oh, yeah, the the, yeah, the magazine. So, yeah. like, what what got you into cooking? Um, and do you usually cook those recipes for your family? Is that something? Are you very like within your Japanese culture? Do you bring that a lot into the home and talk about that a little bit?
1: Okay, so um, yeah, I was in Lake and Sumter Style magazine and um, I was just really honored that they decided to do a feature on me Um, And initially it was supposed to be just about the Howie Mansion music series Mm -hmm. Um, But they were also tying in the new year and people developing good habits and eating well and And that's something, you know, every musician that I've ever met that's really into beautiful music is also usually into really good food. They <laughs> go <laughs> oh, hand in hand, seriously. I've been
0: thinking about a lot of that too. Yeah, uh, those usually, are my two passions. Yeah, is we're food foodies. And music. I've yeah. always been a
1: foodie. And and you'll see in Japanese culture most Japanese people are foodies as well. Um and so yes, I grew up in a family that really appreciated delicious food. My mom was a great cook. Mm-hmm. And um, during my travels, I learned all kinds of new um, dishes, culturally, starting from when I was in Sweden, I learned how to make Swedish food, I lived in Germany, wow. learned how to make German food. So mm-hmm. I'm really grateful for all these recipes I've collected, That's but awesome. yes, I just, I love cooking, I love music, I think they go hand in hand because, you know, in both, you're creating, you are putting yourself into it. It's. A cultural thing where you can bring your own family culture in Definitely. or your own background in, and so right. it's it's extremely satisfying. To, yeah, to and cook. there's a there's like a nostalgic factor to
0: both music and food that a lot of cultures, especially I know in Asian cultures and within Hispanic cultures, you have music and food combined, like either in festivals or even within your home, um, if. You know someone is singing while cooking or it's just it comes down to something like nostalgia that like you bring that with you and I think you and I have that in common where we are very rooted mm-hmm. and so those two passions of food and music are usually married together yeah. so that's really cool um, so I've been interning for you for the Howie Mansion music uh, series and so talk a little bit about Howie Mansion how did that start up what inspired you to do that, to do a nonprofit profit organization like that?
1: Well, um, so during my travels in Europe and living abroad, um, starting from my very first job, I, my, I debuted in Sweden and mm-hmm. it was in this beautiful town, um, where, uh, a lot of Swedish opera singers begin, including anna Sophie von Otto, and, um, it was at, uh, situated at this medieval castle. And so people come from all over Stockholm, all the big cities, to this beautiful castle to come and watch um, young, you know, starlets being born. And um, so I was just so amazed by how gorgeous these settings were. And every time I traveled, of course there would be like a beautiful castle beautiful palaces and everybody just really enjoyed that aesthetic mix of this architecture mm-hmm. from that time or just you know it's just such a a beautiful feeling to be in that building and in that room and then listen to great music at the same time i, I think there's nothing that matches that so that that's something i've always loved i also um Have dabbled in thinking about starting my own chamber music series for a very long time because one of the things I specialized in a lot in my career is chamber music. Um, I was at the Marlboro Music Festival, Um, I sang a lot in Europe, you know, Verbier Festival, Ville Festival, Ravinia uh, Festival, so like all these places that you sing a lot of leader, a lot of vocal chamber music Mm -hmm. and um, you know, I've met so many amazing people that I always thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to start a series where I could bring all my friends together and we could put on this beautiful music and show everybody what it's like. And so then my friend Brad Coward um, had, I I found out that he had bought this mansion that had sat dilapidated for years um, in Lake County called the Howie Mansion from 1925. And you know I kind of didn't really pay much attention to the Facebook posts at first <laughs> but then as they started to like renovate and show the inside I was like wow that's a beautiful building. It came building. to life to you. Yeah, yeah I was like that's a beautiful building look at all that wood look at that big hall and I became very interested in it and I went out and visited it with my husband and I began to think well could there be a better venue to start this yeah. dream I had been sitting on for a long time? Um, and I also was at a place in my life where I felt like I could, you know, give the efforts towards starting a nonprofit. So I just, honestly, again, a calling. I I don't really know why, but I just felt like I had to go do it. So <laughs> it. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. And honestly,
0: in the space for our last concert when I was there, you would think that the space was made for that, for music, because mm-hmm. the acoustics in there, it's just beautiful, like mm-hmm. the chamber music and you're singing and everything together and then the decor with the Christmas decorations and it was just amazing mm-hmm. like to see it within the mansion. Yeah. And that's something that's very traditional, I feel like in European, like you said, European culture where you go outside, I was in Vienna um this summer, and you go out and you see there's always a church a concert going on and there's music everywhere and it's a lot of classical music as well as more um, modern music um, but here I feel like in the States you have more of like rock and roll jazz but you don't
1: really see as many concerts for classical music yes and that's that's another big reason I started my series um, I had actually just at the Vienna Summer Music Festival a couple of years ago, which I know you mm-hmm. attended as well. Right. And I was just so amazed at how much music was a part of everyday life there. Right. And how even, you know, there was this bar there where people would go once a month and sing Lieder. And mm-hmm. they were just regular people off the streets and they came in and sang Schubert Lieder in this, this coffee house. And I was like, wow, I can't believe you know that. Right. Um, or like in the Vienna Opera House, they have these freak. Um you know, this t- giant screen where people can bring a picnic blanket and and wine and they can listen to music and this was incredibly inspiring to me, mm-hmm. and I thought well it's it's really sad how in America, I don't really feel that people i honestly, I feel almost the opposite that it's kind of the art form is dying out slowly, yeah, and yeah. so that also became a passion of mine that I can't let that happen. Like, as I get older, I realize that, you know, one of my purposes in life is that I've spent this whole, you know, time in my life dedicated to this art form, is I can't let it die off. I have Mm -hmm. to help to pass it on, pass that torch on. So I decided to really make it um, my mission to educate people about classical and jazz music, both historic art forms. Mm -hmm. because that's where our music comes from and and if you look at like you know Dr. Phillips Center and you try to buy a ticket to Hamilton or something it's sold out Mm -hmm. um, months in advance whereas the classical or jazz concerts there's still many many seats left. It's more of a struggle to sell those tickets out. So I, I need to support this art form that's so beautiful so amazing and that's where we it all stems from and, and teach people where it comes from and, and, and what's so special about it. So that's what yeah. I hope to do there.
0: I agree that like there is, there does seem to be here in the States that, that there's a wall up against, not against, but like there's a wall that blocks us from classical music that you don't feel in Europe. Yes. And I'm not really quite sure about um, any other countries or anything like that because I haven't really done as much traveling. But my experience in Europe is definitely so different than it is here with classical music, and I think we as singers and musicians we forget because it's in our world, so we get caught up with each other. But we forget that the majority of our society here, they don't have the same experience with music, and um, they're not as they're not going to turn on the radio and say, "Well, let me go ahead and." play some leader or play some you know like some Mahler symphony (laughs) you know it's just not going to happen so um, definitely I have the same goals of educating um, our community within Mm -hmm. our own soil over here Mm -hmm. Um, so with the kind of jumping into that I decided to um, work with you in Howie Mansion and as your intern, um, mainly because I believe in this same kind of notion of bringing more education and more awareness to classical music over here. But also um, I believe that music societies and organizations really need to um, step up their game as far as technology. And so with the rise of technology and social media and all of these things that we are we have so much access within our phones and so what do you think about this what do you think the future of opera and classical music is with the rise of technology and social media
1: well i think that um inevitably there's going to be a lot more live streaming and this seems to be the trend right now. Um, live streaming concerts, which I'm grateful for because that way people can get access to high-level concerts that they normally wouldn't be able to. Mm -hmm. However, I think that the music industry has to tackle a couple of different issues. Um, One is that I think they're going to have to figure out a way to charge for these live stream concerts um, or, you know, already they're having difficulty with recording, so they have to really figure out how to make sure that the artists who've worked so hard and dedicated their lives to this are, you know, compensated for Mm -hmm. the work that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that that technology can be amazing and probably eventually the live streaming will turn into holographic concerts. And that way people from, you know, rural places and, you know, places in all stretches of the world can see these amazing concerts going on. Um, But the only problem is, you know, honestly, live music with people singing or performing or playing, it just can't be beat. Like there's no comparison to the energy that an Mm -hmm. artist puts forth in a live concert. And there's no comparison to the energy that is given back to the performer. From the audience, as a result, Mm -hmm. and so I think that I really pray and hope that people still cherish that um, into the future, and I think therefore the the amount that you charge for access to live stream concerts versus live needs to be somewhat comparable, so that people don't feel like, oh, like you know, with Netflix or whether I'd rather. Sit in my living room and watch Mm. the movie than to go to the movie theater. Yeah, Yeah. I mean it's so much more convenient. Mm -hmm. However, I think it's important to plan and think about well, how can we attract people to come in to see it live as well? And so, do you
0: think that like with the Do you think that eventually people are going to want that experience even more and be a a little bit more hungry for that interaction, that energy that you're talking about? Do you think there's
1: going to be a rise of like a hunger for that even more so? I'm hoping so. I mean, you know, we we are a generation of chatters and texters Mm -hmm. and I myself am guilty of... Preferring to text over talking to people mm-hmm. <laughs> so, because there's a side of introvertedness to me but feels like it takes less energy to have mm-hmm. to talk to people mm-hmm. on a text than it does in person right. <laughs> definitely <laughs> however, and now with
0: like the voice recording where you can record what you're saying and you can just send it off yes. and it texts it for you it types it for exactly. you that's so I easy. mean I
1: think we have to kind of accept that that's where we're moving mm-hmm. however You know, I actually saw this happen, I think, you know, there was the 80s where people were like super dressed up and super made up and with their Mm -hmm. big shoulder pads and their big hair. And then the 90s came and it was like the opposite reaction where people had flat hair and really kind of hippie looks. Mm -hmm. So what I'm thinking is maybe if people get too electronic and too much into their impersonal interaction people are going to have a backlash and say, hey, you know what, we really need to connect with humanity here. And I'm hoping that then it'll go back more towards wanting to be live. I would have to
0: agree with that because I, I mean, I've been doing a lot more work with even with this and with also like I'm doing a podcast. And so all of this has to take like social media. I feel like I'm constantly looking at a screen. And so I'm actually honoring my break so much more now. And it's no longer like my phone is just a game and it's like, this is fun. It's more like my phone is my business. Like I would be nothing without like we're recording this on my phone right now. So I feel like when I get a break away from my phone, it's actually I honor that so much, like something as simple as breathing or the sunshine going back to our roots of just living as humans. And I think that um, music is very much rooted into our primal state of who we were when we first came. Like we we started singing and dancing. We had the need to express um, from the very beginning without technology. So mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, traditions have been changing a lot with the educational system. And I know that you just said that you didn't really take a, a traditional route with going to grad school. You decided, I'm gonna go to, to Europe, to Germany and kind of learn that way. So what, do you, what is your advice for someone who kind of wants to break out of tradition, and especially with the rising numbers of the cost of tuition for college, what is your advice for someone who is like, you know what, screw it, I'm going to go my own way and be an artist
1: and make their own way? Well, I'm definitely not conventional yeah. <laughs> so maybe I'm not the best role model for that but um, so yeah I did not go the the path well beaten I um, and I didn't really do it on purpose it just sort of happened to me mm-hmm. but I, I got the bachelor's which is very important I, mm-hmm. I really studied with some amazing people there um, mm-hmm. who affected my life forever um, but you know, I think i'm I just didn't feel at the time that I wanted to go again to another educational institution and go through a lot of the same thing. I felt really hungry to go live life and go and experience things for myself and, and do things the old-fashioned way, like this is how people used to do it generations ago was you know apprenticeship they would go in and right. get on stage and get their feet wet and learn and mm-hmm. i guess that must have been the kind of person i i was or am and so i decided to you know go to europe straight away and study german and do things a little differently and i'm very grateful for my experience and and i did boy did i study for a long time after that it just isn't in degree programs. Mm -hmm. I was studying with the masters, I was studying with Martin Esep and with Ken Noda and Dalton Baldwin, and I was studying with all of the people who were the masters of the generation previous, just not in a a degree program in a graduate school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I must have studied fully until I was about 33 years old. Um, So that's about a, you know, 15-year education, which is beyond what a doctoral, you know, student would do. Um, And I also had my very first experience on stage. Professionally, in front yeah. of an audience <laughs> <laughs> in Sweden, <laughs> so that was scary too. Um, I did a lot of like risk-taking things. Mm-hmm. However, that being said, and that I'm you know not following the conventional path, mm-hmm. I think that there's something to be said about that too. Especially mm-hmm. nowadays, it seems like everybody gets their master's at least. Right. Yeah, and yeah. now that I'm older, I can see the benefits of that. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you, if you, when you're young, you think, oh, I'm going to be a performer Mm -hmm. because that's my passion and that's all I'm going to do. But performing doesn't last forever. Right. right. Um, And the truth is, this is something I wanted to tell young people today, is if you decide to go to Europe, then yes, you might possibly be able to have a long career as just a performer because mm-hmm. they pay a decent salary, they give you benefits, and mm-hmm. you can live off of that. And I really thought about that option of staying over there, but I eventually moved back to the states because I really really felt homesick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, yeah, <laughs> that was yes. not something I was counting on mm-hmm. of feeling that homesickness and needing to come back to the states. So I could have probably just kept going and going and going and had a wonderful career with, you know, very decent pay and done a lot of different houses, but I decided, you know what, I really, my soul needs to go back to the States, and Mm. I feel like I need to be in that culture. I need to be with my family, and so I went back, and I sort of had to start over from scratch, and the difference is America doesn't have the funding from the government mm-hmm. and doesn't have the number of opera houses that like say Germany does. And so if you are an artist performing, you will definitely need another job in addition. It, right. it's not just that one job. It's you'll be teaching or you'll be tutoring languages or mm-hmm. you'll be doing some side temp work or something like that. Like so knowing that now, I see that Okay, well, if you have a master's, at least, then you will be able to probably get a professorship of some sort, or at at the least an adjunct professorship, and teach as one of your professions. Um, And, you know, so I think that there's something to be said about that. Mm -hmm. But if you decide, like, that's just not for me, I don't really want to be in school again, and that's Mm -hmm. how I felt, I do highly, highly encourage people when they are studying to be taking business classes, to be taking Mm -hmm. marketing classes, to be studying your languages really, really, really well. Mm -hmm. Because what I ended up doing is whenever I did have times in my life that I had to do ex- other extra work besides my performing. I was tutoring German, I was teaching at Berlitz, I was, you know, um, teaching all kinds of things. Diction and, you know, so there's a lot of, there are a lot of careers that are, you can do alongside your singing if mm-hmm. you hone all of these, um, you know, Extra skills, skills. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: definitely. And I find too that when you're no longer in school, you... You become eager to learn just in general, Um, so you become a student of life, and eventually you just become resourceful to what you can do with what you have. So I think I have to agree with that, and what I've been learning recently a lot is that the more that you have under your belt, it's like a tool belt, you know, and you're going into it and you want to be skilled and you want to have as much experience in a wide range of places. Because if I was just doing like opera performance and I put all of my eggs in that basket, um, if I had that free time of not being in school and not performing or something happened medically in my family, or you know the, anything can happen, Absolutely. and so having kind of like that backup option of like okay, this is what I'm capable of as well, and knowing yourself, and and I think that what you had is a lot of self awareness, even though you weren't. Um, traditional, you were aware of yourself and what you were capable of, and so you went out and you were able to accomplish all those things, so that's awesome.
1: Yes, and and also just I'm very grateful for the people who gave me chances, Yeah, because it wouldn't have happened without them. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say
0: that like more than the institution in my opinion, the mentor uh, whoever you're studying under who has the experience and who is older, um, just hanging out with people who are older than you I've gained so much from that, like all of my experiences abroad were made from people who were my mentors and I wouldn't have had that opportunity without them. Absolutely,
1: that's one thing I really want to convey to people is, you know, if you can remain humble and open to learning, like you said, and having a real quest for knowledge, you can pick up so much about life from from right. people who have more experience than you. Definitely. At the same time, I want to caution people to be very selective about who they let into their lives, yes. because there are some people who don't have the most generous spirits, and I've certainly run into those people as well. Or they've been
0: burned before, and I've had this where a teacher was very bitter about Mm -hmm. their experience, and so they were kind of telling me, well, you're never going to be able to do this, and they cut me off mentally, and I had to actually do a lot of inner work when it came to like building myself back up, because it's like, if this professional or someone that I'm looking up to who has made it, quote-unquote, or who's teaching me and is making money doing what I'm hoping to do, if she's telling me that I don't even have the chance, then what am I doing here, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I definitely had to do a lot of the inner work of making sure that I'm listening to the right voices,
1: especially my own, um, and prioritizing that. Right. I've had the same experience myself a couple of times, and it can be really detrimental, and it takes a long time to build yourself back up from that. Yeah. But if you do have the special people, which Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful I did. Um, I had people like the German director, Stefan Pjontek, who's the one who gave me my first job, and then helped me get my real job in Germany. Those Mm. kind of people, or when I was also kind of recovering from a bad experience, I had Marnie Nixon, who was the kindest soul I've ever met, and she helped me to rebuild my self-confidence again. You know, those are the people that matter, Mm -hmm. and so you just have to listen to your instincts and really... You know, if somebody's making you feel bad, they're probably not the right person for you. Right, right. And
0: eventually you turn your ears off to what they're saying. Yes, exactly. Um, so do you think your kids will go into music? Or <laughs> <laughs> what? how are they kind of viewing your... Um, experience with music?
1: Well, you know, I have an eight year old and a 12 year old watching. Now he's 13. He is so big. I know, he's, I saw he's a picture the thing <laughs> of him. like, why is he so big? I
0: remember when he would sit in the services and I would see you sitting when I sang at the Congregational Church in Winter Park. <laughs> um <laughs> I would see you and your family, and it, I was like, "Oh, there was her two little kids." And now I can't say that anymore. If yeah. I were to look out and he's see him there, than I he's am. so tall now.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, oh my gosh! gosh. <laughs> well, you know, I don't think my son will become a musician. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think either of them will become musicians. Mm-hmm. However, they both have a sincere appreciation for music beyond the normal person. I think that's good. Um, that's <laughs> and so, my son. You know, he's really right now into these, like, trap beats and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, who knows? Maybe, like, for fun, he'll, like, do some DJing or something like that. And my daughter, I think she's got a little bit of performer gene in her. She loves being on stage, Mm -hmm. and she likes to sing, and she's learning how to play piano. But they both have really fine taste in music. And I'm really proud that—I think I wrote this on my post the other day that my son— Will sit there one minute and create trap beats on his phone, and then the next minute he'll be humming "Queen of the Night" from the Magic Fruit <laughs> And I think that's really unusual. Well, for I think a I think kid. there's a
0: space too in, in future music where you bring like a, the traditional classical sounds into more of the futuristic, like the beats and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a space where they're blending some of that, and I think that's really cool. He can get experimental there with some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to wrap this up but go ahead and tell the listeners where they can find you if you have a website anything that you want them to kind of um know that you're up to right now right so
1: um i have a website www.arisa kasumi.com that's a-r-i-s-a-k-u-s-u-m-i.com that's all one word and i also have an instagram page arisa kasumi music um so at arisa kasumi music um i also have the howie mansion music series website which is www.howiemusicseries.org all right and yes if you are
0: in the orlando area or any of the surrounding areas definitely attend one of our concerts for howie mansion and like nothing nothing beats we do record a lot of the the concerts and stuff we have some footage but nothing can beat the actual experience of being in that setting. And and like we said, uh, the Howie Mansion is the perfect space for a music concert and chamber music. So I'm I'm happy to be working with
1: you and thank you for doing this with me. Thank you for everything that you've done, including for Howie Mansion and for inviting me to be your guest. Thank you. Thank you
0: thank you for listening to this episode of passionate curiosity podcast if you enjoyed this episode go ahead and take a screenshot of the episode on whichever app that you're listening to it from and post it online either on facebook or instagram stories or wherever else that you are at on social media i would love to see who's tuning in and listening Um, You can go ahead and tag at Passionate Curiosity Podcast, as well as Arisa Kasumi, or you can also tag the Howie Mansion Music Series at Howie Music Series. Thank you again for listening. Tune in next time.